Hello, you're in the Sin Bin with Cindy Nightingale, giving you a snapshot inside sports. I'm a sports photojournalist in Minnesota, bringing you conversations with coaches, athletes, and others about the trending topics and the latest news inside the sports world. Let's get started. Today, I am welcoming Jeff Evans, Jefferson Boys basketball coach, into the sin bin. Hi, Jeff. Welcome in. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm just very excited to have you in and to talk about boys basketball and your tenure as coach at Jefferson. So what I'd like to do to start is kind of give people a background because um, I, you know, you are an educator at the school and uh, in addition to doing other activities. So how did you get started um, in your career? Well, um, I'm a student, a former student at Jefferson High School, and uh, um, I was a decent student and um, was, was kind of advised to go through college with the idea of getting a, pursuing an occupation that maybe pays a little bit better than education. But, okay. but coming from a family that was involved in education and my father coaching his whole life, I saw how much enjoyment and fulfillment that that he received from, from teaching and coaching. And I just thought to myself that there's, there's no amount of money that can, can, can make me happy. I, I, I want to do what, I, what he did. And so I went into education probably with the idea that I, I knew I wanted to coach. Coaching was my first love. I think I knew I wanted to do that. And I can be honestly tell you that uh, doing this for 34 years now, I don't, uh, excuse me, I, I, I like coaching just as much as I always did, but I have really come to enjoy teaching. In fact, I think I like the teaching aspect about five times more than I ever thought I would. It's become that, that enjoyable for me. So I think it was a good career choice. And uh, I've always told my friends uh, that I've never had to go to work a day in my life. I just get up in the morning and I go to school. And it's, it's, it's easy to get up when you go to, go to school filled with a bunch of good kids and a good faculty and people to work with. It's, it's not, really, not really work. Okay, that sounds great. Um, when you said that you always knew that you wanted to coach, was this something that you knew at a very young age? Because um, as far as I can remember, your dad has always coached. So do you think he instilled that in you and you watched it and you're like, yeah, that's it. Even when you were say a teen. Well, you know, like I said, uh, he, uh, I was a decent student and he said, you know, you can, you can do a lot of good things in life if you want to, but number one, we want you to be happy. And uh, so I pursued other, I, other uh, um, routes of education at first, but I just kept on coming back, circling back to education and coaching that coaching aspect. I, I have been in a gym Every day after school since about uh, six, since I've been about a second grader. So that's all I know. And even as a young child, uh, I would, my dad's teams, as well as my teams, we always practice on Saturday morning. And as, I, as a young child, maybe first or second grade, I would ask him every Friday, can I go to practice with you on Saturday? And that was the highlight of my week, uh, just to go to practice. So I've been going to that. I've been coming up to this gym probably since about 19, on a regular basis, since about 1974. And then as a student in the wow. late 70s, and it's really, I hate to say this, I 
that's, that's all I really know is coming up here on a daily basis. And it's just become a part of my life. I think that is awesome. Um, and I, I know that that was definitely, you know, instilled um, from your family. Um, maybe most listeners may not know this, but you and your dad have been the only ones that have coached at Jefferson for the boys basketball program. So do you, do you feel like you're bringing a continuity from your dad or did you just have your own way or did you, is it a mix? I took some stuff from my dad and I added my own little touch. Yeah. Well, you know, this is, it's, it's really what it is. It's kind of like the family business. Uh, My dad was, he said he was very, very fortunate when, when Jefferson opened up that um, he was able to start his own program. And I think any head coach, ideally, that would be the best way to start your career, being able to put your stamp on a program rather than coming in and having to change things. So that was something that he was very blessed with. And then I just, uh, when my dad decided to retire, the job was not necessarily just going to be handed to me. I had to go through the interview process and um, it was something that I had to kind of prove my, my worth. I, I assisted my dad for 11 seasons. And during those 11 seasons, I had opportunities to, to move elsewhere at the high school or collegiate level. And, and I just said, back of my mind says, you know, I, they maybe sound like a good move, but I don't know if I would be happy because this is the family business. And then when I was assisting my dad, I was very fortunate at Jefferson to be surrounded by, I don't think there's too many schools in our state history that can say this, by three Hall of Fame coaches. We had Bruno Walder in football. And we had Tom Satterdahl in hockey and then, and then my dad in basketball. So for, you know, better part of the 11 years, I was listening and watching and, and uh, basically taking a lot of mental notes on watching those three guys coach and how they went about their business. And all three of them were very, very successful. Um, so I'd be foolish not to adopt some of the philosophies of those, those three coaches that I, that I had a lot of my, my young experience with. But, yes, I have my own ideas as well. And I've uh, um, been very fortunate to have the assistance that I've had with me. Jimmy Williams has been with me since day one. In fact, Jimmy has been with me longer than I've been married. Um, so, <laughs> you know, and he, he and I, we, we butt heads on a lot of things. And that's what you want as assistant coach. You don't want a, a yes, sir, man behind you. You want people to bounce things off of and, and disagree with you. That just makes both of you better down the road. And we have our own ideas as well. And we've adopted some of those, and, which have differed from, my dad and Jake and Stan Shea, other coaches that have come before this. But, but yes, I, I, uh, very fortunate in my formative years as a, as a young teacher and a coach to be able to, to witness some outstanding coaching by, by three Hall of Fame coaches at, at this building here. Can you maybe give us some specifics on what, um, the coaches, sort of the principles that you have? integrated into your coaching style that have been successful for you? Well, I, I think hard work. Um, kind of my whole life, of, I've, I've done things this way. If you have two paths to go, one's the easy way, one's the hard way, I've always kind of gone the hard way. Just just because I think I'll feel much better appreciation for completing something, doing things a little bit more difficult than maybe than something just handed to me. As a kid growing up, um, things weren't handed to me. I mean, if I wanted to if I wanted something, I wanted a car. I was uh, I was told to go get a job and work for it. Just, things were weren't handed to me, and I that that value that my parents instilled in me, and watching these other coaches work as well. That that level of hard work, I think, is something that we carried from from all three of those coaches. Um, 
we practice as as much as we are able to practice. I know that uh, when Saturday was here coaching at Jefferson Hockey, the hockey team used to dress in the locker room every day. They dressed in the locker room every day, and it's kind of different. I think they dressed at the ice garden, but they dressed. So I we were able to see Sats every day in the locker room, and that every day meant well. I mean, I meant Thanksgiving morning, and I'm I'm 57 years old now, and I think I probably have spent about close to 50 uh, Thanksgiving mornings in this Jefferson gym. And Sats was there with his hockey program uh, during Christmas vacation, Christmas Eve morning, both the hockey team and the basketball team were practicing. Um, and that was just something that it was just a given, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a, the old famous golfer Ben Hogan says, every day that you don't practice, you just lost a day to get a little bit better. And I think that hard work is something, you know, that meaning that if I tell the kids we got to come during the holiday vacation and practice in the morning, well, they've got to be there. But realize that I've been doing that for 30 years. I've been giving up my Thanksgiving mornings with my family, knowing that this is this is the best way to do things. And that that's all, those are some of the things that I've taken from some of those coaches is, is just the value of hard work. Okay. Is there, so the little that sounds to me is that uh, tradition continues on with you and with your players. Has it been well received with the players? I think over the years it probably has, because you've had quite a bit of success. You've had teams in the state tournament. Um, does this reflect well uh, for this, the the players that you have now? Well, I think you know times change, and our whole coaching philosophy we 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 stay current. It's just you know I I spent four years. I have a coaching degree. And a lot of coaches, they go to college and they, they, they pick up their teaching degree. But I actually have a coaching degree. And everything I was taught in my coaching philosophy classes, um, those aren't the written word. Um, you Times change. And I think most co- coaches, they spend a lot of time during their offseason attending clinics uh, and just listening to other coaches talk. For seven years, I worked for Clem Haskins at University of Minnesota uh, during his summer camps. I spent about uh, 10 weeks of my summer uh, working his camps. Uh, we didn't get paid very well, but you know what? We sat around at lunch and and we bounced ideas up. There were coaches, high school coaches and college coaches from all over the country. And you just sit around and you'd sit around lunchtime and just, I, I just relish those time, that time period. Cause you'd sit around and you bounce ideas off of people. And, and I was just taking mental notes as we went along, as I'm sure a lot of the other coaches were as well. So you try to stay current with the game as far as, uh, new new teaching philosophies, new new drills, new fundamentals, and uh, the game changes. And I like to think that we've stayed up with the times. But what it all comes down to is that is that hard work. You know, you always watch professional teams on TV, and it doesn't matter what sport it is. But after a team wins the championship, uh, they're always being interviewed, and one of the first questions is, "Man, we worked so hard for this." Well, yeah, nothing. Mm-hmm. Success doesn't come easy. There's a lot of sacrifice. A lot of give and take uh, to have success, and and that's something that I've always believed in. If nothing's going to be given to you, if you want something bad enough, then you will sacrifice to something to, to achieve that, and, and and that is a lot a lot of time and a lot of hard work. Do you think the kids of today understand that concept of hard work and sacrifice? You know, I think it's getting tougher every year. It's getting tougher every year, but. Uh, um, because times are changing a little bit, and, and uh, I think it is getting tougher every year. But I've had some kids who have gone off into their careers, and uh, um, years later they've come back and said, boy, I'm glad you pushed us like you did. I'm glad we had that discipline like you did. One kid was, a, was a, uh, an Army Ranger, 
And his dad told me his son would never, ever have been able to get through that training program if it wasn't for going through athletics, not just basketball, but athletics at Jefferson here. And that, that's a pretty good, uh, you know, feather in your cap, knowing that you instilled the, the discipline and the, and, and the work ethic in a kid to go on and, and achieve something very, very big. Um, yeah, I think it is getting different a little bit every year, but uh, for the most part here, our kids at Jefferson here, we've been very fortunate to have great kids that come from great families that, that appreciate the grind and the discipline because they know that they're going to be better off from, uh, from uh, being taught or being instructed that way than just being something handed to them. Fair enough. I think that's, that's a, a good uh, summation of how kids are today. And, you know, obviously you continue to use, you know, hard work, good ethic, and it's, it's always great to have good kids that have character and are willing to listen and understand that you, uh, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. You know what it takes to get to the state tournament, which is a lot of hard work and sacrifice. Um, let's talk about some of those um, years that you um, have coached and the teams that you have. Which ones tend to stick out in your mind? What years? You know what? I, I, I've always told the kids this. I will never remember teams. Um, I won't remember them so much for what they accomplished, but for, but for who they are as kids. Uh, my greatest joy coaching is, believe it or not, is not game night. Um, kids love game night. I parents love game night. I love practice because during practice is when you see the true character of a kid. There's nobody in the stands cheering for them. They're out there working hard, bettering themselves for their themselves and their and their team. And so I, it, it's hard to put um, a label on a team that's one of my my most memorable. We've had some teams that uh, um, we finished runner up in the state tournament that time, but that team's the good kids. And I still get together with some of those guys. But I think if you look at maybe one of maybe one of the the better coaching jobs we did, or at least I feel this way, is a team that we didn't have a lot of success because we thought that as coaches we got all all out of those kids what we thought we could get them. We, in other words, we had kids. My goal as a coach was always to not have our players achieve, but overachieve. And if we've got our kids to to overachieve, regardless of the wins and losses, then I think we've done our job. And that's a, a sense of satisfaction that we as coach, as a coaching staff can, can have. So it's hard. We've had some good kids, great kids. I mean, I can't hardly think of uh, any year that we haven't had kids that I just, and I've always said I've been very, very blessed here at Jefferson. The kids that I get to spend time with in practice every day, uh, I, I think they're, they're just excellent. Good, good kids who come from good supportive families. And I, I tell you, it's not that way in every community. I've got a lot of friends who've, who've been coached as long as I have, and they have not had the, uh, uh, being blessed with good kids as, as as much as I have. So I've been very, very fortunate. And my father will say the same thing as well. We're very fortunate to coach in a community that we do. Okay. Do you, the, the kids that you have had, um, that you've worked with, when, a, when a, one of the players comes up to you and says, I want to play in college, and maybe they're not the most skilled player out there. How do you, how do you get that kid motivated to get themselves in a position to play on in college? Or are we honest with them and tell them that maybe they aren't good enough? I don't think you ever want to sell a kid short. And I, I think, you know, uh, 
basketball is a game where some kids don't physically mature until after they get out of high school. And, 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 and a, mm-hmm. I played at Jefferson and, and the guy that I played with, um, his dad played with the Vikings and physically he, um, he grew into a young, uh, a man after high school and he had a very good career at a division two basketball. But prior to that, I don't think he, many people thought he would do anything after high school. Physically kids do mature and uh, you know, some kids grow as the case with this, this, my friend right here, but I don't think you ever want to sell a kid short. If a kid continues to work and work and work and he has a passion for it, that's the number one thing. You have to have a passion. I always tell kids that as a basketball coach, I can't make you better if you don't have a passion. If you don't have a passion to get better, then, then there's no coach in the world that can make you a better player. You've got to have that passion to, to, to work hard and improve yourself, um, not only as a basketball player, but as a, you know, as a human being and as a student as well. I'll never sell a kid short. Um, uh, a lot of times kids will realize they'll see the writing on the wall before, uh, too long, but, uh, I've never, I've never told a kid, for example, you're, you don't have colleges make the best of it in high school because you, you can't sell a kid short. Mm-hmm. So when you have that certain player, whoever it may be, um, you know, there's, they have something special. How do you deal with that and get them to integrate with everybody? Well, you know, we had a we had a boy here that um, was a national recruit, McDonald's All American, and and uh, as a ninth grade boy, um, he was having as a ninth grader on the varsity. Uh, they were Division One coaches from that you see on TV on Saturday and every night of the week. They were coming in our gym to watch mm-hmm. practice, and uh, boy, that's a distraction. And this night, they were coming to watch this ninth grade boy and. Uh, how do you think our sophomores, juniors, and seniors felt when all the attention was bestowed upon this ninth grade kid? And first of all, that, that's, mm. I, I think that's wrong to put all that attention those, on, a, on a young 14, 15, 16-year-old boy. But as a coach, I always try to reflect some of that attention from that kid on, on, on our team. And when we had that, that kid after our games, there would be crowds of kids asking for his autograph and, and, Newspaper reporters were asking about, you know, so-and-so had a good game for you. I always try to make it a point to talk about all the other kids or as many kids as I could before I mentioned the, the kid in question, just to make the rest of the kids feel that they're just a bigger part of this as he is. Uh, but that one, we've had several players here that have gone on to play in, at, 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 at the highest level in, in college. And um, they're, I think all of our kids are special. I don't treat any kid any differently. And, and uh, um, like that, that one boy that we had go on and have a good NBA career, I think he will tell you uh, straight up that we didn't do him any favors in, in practice. And uh, did, I don't think we showed him any favoritism. And, and to the point, if he didn't like what we're doing, well, then if he wants to go somewhere else, well, then that's fine because we're not going to bend over backwards and change our philosophy just for the individual when, when the team is so much very, very important. So what I'm hearing is hard work and it's about the team and not about the individual. And I, I, I think that with basketball, that can be difficult because you only have five players out there and somebody could be the, you know, could run everything. But I, I think it's commendable that you want everybody to feel like they've contributed something to the success of that. Team. Well, that's, that's exactly right. And you always say you, 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 
you play the game with the five players on the floor, but you win or lose the game with the 17 players on your roster. And everybody has an equal role. And for kids to – the number one role a basketball player has is to, first of all, be a, bit, a, a good teammate. And everybody has their role. And the kids who identify their roles and, and fulfill their role to the best of their abilities, those are usually the teams that, that, that have some success. Now that we've also had kids that are, have bought into our philosophy. We had another kid that played in our program that went on to have an NBA career and uh, um, played at the University of Minnesota. And um, you look at his statistics from high school, not a great scoring average. I think he scored average about 15 points a game. And here's a guy, McDonald's All-American, okay. uh, Big Ten All-American, and, and uh, played in the NBA, averaged 15 points a game. And but he made his he made his teammates better, and that team ended up being ranked 18th nationally at the end of the season. I think they went undefeated. I think they lost uh, like five games in three years while he was here. But he made his teammates better. He was very very unselfish, um, and and that's the kind of players that we've had kids who who have recognized that you know sure I'm I could be doing this I could be doing that, but it's not about me. It's about getting our team uh, to where we want to go. So we've had those unselfish players that that are bought into our philosophy as well. Okay. When you have a team that goes to the state tournament or, you know, qualifies for the state tournament, um, do you, is there something, do you talk to them about how well they're going to, did you know, I guess what I want to know is, did you know at the beginning of the season before you started or as the season progressed that that team was going to be able to make it? Well, you know, I think every coach will tell you that there has a tremendous amount of optimism at the beginning of the season. If you don't have that optimism that you're going to finish with, with a good season, well, then you're probably not. And you're selling yourself short before you even walk into practice the first day. But we have typically believed that that our section, to get to our section, sometimes is, is a more difficult path than some of the teams that you play in the state tournament and you can have a very, very, very good team and then um, not even make it through your section. So uh, yes, there, there are every season we do have aspirations of going as far as we can go. And, and there, to be very honest, there are some teams that, that uh, went beyond uh, where we thought they would maybe, maybe go um, in, the, in the back of your mind. But uh, you know, I, I, I guess the point is you don't ever undersell hard work. You, you just don't know. You just don't know. And, and that's why you play the games. If everything was decided on paper, well, then you'd never have to practice. But uh, this is a game about high school kids, and high school kids are prone to making mistakes. And sometimes high school kids really surprise you as to what they can do under under due pressure. So it's that's the enjoyable thing about coaching is to see high school kids succeed, and sometimes how they handle their failures as well. Okay. In 2009 – when your team went to the state tournament, uh, my son right. was on that team, and I and I can attest to the hard work ethic that you put into that uh, program. Um, that was my first glimpse into really seeing how you coach and the tremendous amount of work and effort and uh, scouting and watching and observing that you do before, uh, before games happen. And um, I remember Bobby telling me that when they were playing Edina, this is what you need to do, A, B, C, D, and you will beat this team. 
And that team listened to you, and they did win to go on to state. Well, you know, there's a there's a lot that goes into coaching, and um, I'd be very naive to think that I can do by myself. Again, I've been very fortunate to have assistant coaches that that don't need to be told what to do. They see me what they understand what needs to be done, and they go out and do it. And uh, Jimmy's done just an excellent job putting together defensive game plans, and and we we do a tremendous amount of scouting. And when my dad was going to retire, and I applied for the head job, and then I was offered the job before I had accepted, my parents wanted to take my wife and I out for dinner, and they wanted to explain to my wife what the wife, what the life of a head basketball coach is like, because my wife didn't come from an from a athletic family. And, and just knowing that during the winter time, you know, there's probably two or three games a week and maybe two other nights, maybe three other nights or days on the weekends, Jeff will be out scouting. And you don't, you, you basically become a basketball widow during the basketball season. And mm-hmm. my wife said, if this is what Jeff wants to do, then I will support him hundred percent. And I've been very, very fortunate to have a wife that has been there on my side the entire time. Cause there's a lot of sacrifice on the spouses as well. But we've had a coaching staff that, again, over the years has just recognized what needs to be done. One man can't do it all. And I would never, ever, ever go take credit for any success that we've had by myself because that'd be foolish. Um, we, it's a team effort. Just as you want your team to play well together, your, your coaching staff has to work together uh, well as to, to have success. Okay, I um, I get that, and um, I, I think it's awesome that um, – so Jimmy has been your main assistant uh, for several years. Um, are there other assistants that um, you maybe want to yeah, give a little well, shout-out to? Sure. Um, when I got the head job, um, I, uh, I asked my dad's assistant, Jake Lynch, who was still teaching in the building, Jake, do you want to – continue to coach because, I mean, this program has been your valuable asset, this program. And he says, you know, I think this is your time now with your your assistant. So I had to go find some assistants. Jimmy Williams was a head basketball coach at Minneapolis Southwest and Albert Lee High School. Uh, prior to becoming a head coach at those two stops, uh, he worked with me with the sophomores. I, I coached the sophomores for 11 seasons with assisting my dad. And Jimmy worked with me one year. And Jimmy said, you know, Jeff, if your dad ever retires and you get the head job, I will quit whatever job I'm coaching at just to come back and work at Jefferson because, gosh, your kids work so hard. Your kids just work so hard. And so when I got the job, I knew Jimmy was the first person I'd call. And Jimmy resigned. I believe it was uh, Minneapolis Southwest at that time to come over to Jefferson. So I had to find another coach, another assistant. And I had a kid who played for me. Uh, played for me and played for my dad. His name is Matt Vollum, who just by chance uh, just graduated from college. And he came up and he asked about, uh, he kind of liked to get in the coaching world. And uh, um, and I said, you know you know what, I, I, Matt, I have a job for you. You want to coach my sophomores? Now, I mentioned earlier that for a team to have success, the players have to really like, gel and get together well. Well, same thing with the coaching staff. Well, Jimmy and Matt, they didn't know each other. And I was a little nervous about because I knew Matt from one one part of my life and Jimmy from another, and now we're going to work together. Uh, I'll be very honest today and say that Jimmy and Matt are probably better friends with each other than than I am with either one of them. And we had that coaching staff that uh, we just had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun, and and, uh, again, it wasn't work. 
it was going to practice and, and, and that's, you can't have it better than that. So Jimmy was another, or excuse me, Matt was with me for about, oh, I don't know how many years until he decided he wanted to be a head coach and went over to Kennedy and some other places as well. And uh, Zilk has been with us, a former player too. He's been with us for about a dozen years now, I mm -hmm. think, and wears two hats with football and basketball. And he's a kid that enjoyed playing in our program and um, just kind of wanted to to see the other side of it and has enjoyed coaching the kids and the kids enjoy him. Um, we've had a bunch of good coaches, Jimmy Steffes, another former player, uh, Mike Carr. I could, I could go on. I don't want to name a lot of names cause I'm going to forget people, but um, Jimmy's been with me the whole time. And that's, uh, and I think Jimmy said, whenever you're done, I'm done. It just, cause it just wouldn't be the same working with, you know, the, the tandem pair of, of Evans and Williams. Have you? Do you feel like you've got you know some what? more years in you? I, I'll do it until do I like stop enjoying it. And uh, and like I said before, um, okay. <laughs> this is the, kind of the family business, and you have such a deep, deep sense of pride in in what you do and and uh, the success and failures that you have. And it's um, it's going to be difficult to to finally um, to finally hang it up and. Um, you know, people have kind of joked that, you know, my son played a couple of years ago and he's in college right now. And someone said, well, is, is your son going to, going to continue? And I said, well, you know what? I think I gave him the same advice that I was given that, you know, my son's a pretty good student, go out and, and, and find a career that you can do, you know, do well financially. And so, but he, he may come back to coaching. I don't know, but uh, um, I'm certainly not going to stick around probably for, for him to get all of his coaching you know, resume, but uh, I don't know. It'll, it'll be different, different when it's, when it's, uh, when it's all done, because like I said, I've been in the gym every day after school since I've been a second grader. I don't know anything different. So how has this whole pandemic COVID thing kind of affected how you're going about the day-to-day -day business of coaching? I think we're learning a little bit every day, not only for coaching, but but for teaching. We are not in our season right now, but we had a booster club meeting just last night on, on how we are going to have to operate things a little bit differently this year. And I think we don't have all the, all the answers yet because we don't know what all the questions are. Uh, new stuff is popping up almost every day. And just, you know, you watch the news about COVID. Things are changing by the week. And um, so uh, I also sit on our Minnesota State Coaches Association Executive Board, and we just put some recommendations to the State High School League uh, that are maybe on their website today about some ideas on how to make the season uh, safer for for its participants. We don't know; it's it's a it's a challenge, and I think for anybody that's living today, no matter what business that they're in, they're they're going through some challenges too, and we are we are just going to have the, the same thing. So as far as we know, at this point, your season is a go. But just like, it's just like the fall sports, we bit. are – basketball is um, the state of Minnesota's longest high school season. Uh, we go 18 weeks. Um, that's the length of the season. They've reduced that to 17 weeks. Uh, typically, you can play up to 26 games a year. They've reduced our number of games to 18 with the idea that you want to play all schools as local as possible, although – we do have Duluth East coming down. Um, had we we've been playing Duluth East the last dozen or so years, had it been our turn to travel to Duluth East, we would have been denied. 
But Duluth East is a class 4A school that they can't find enough 4A schools up there to play. So they were given the exemption to travel down to our place. So we are allowed 18 games, no more than two games a week. And with the stipulation that if there are any illnesses or cancellations or postponements that last two weeks of the season, you can play upwards of three games. And as of now, we're not going to have a state tournament, but our state coaches association is pushing for some type of tournament. And I don't know, you know, soccer was was denied. So I think, you know, probably in, in the, in fairness to all activities, I don't think you could give one a state tournament and the other not a state tournament. But our, our argument from our coaches association is we would be the only sport then, um, potentially the only sport to go two years without a state tournament. Um, that's assuming that spring sports continue on as, as they did because every other every other sport had a state tournament last year except for maybe us in the, in the spring sports. Girls basketball did finish a week before the uh, pandemic hit our country last year. So that's our only fighting point right now. And, but yes, there are changes and we will have a season as of now. And I think everybody's just going to have to do what is recommended by wearing the masks and and doing your part in keeping the season uh, um, open for, for all participants. Yeah, it's a really tough time right now for all sports and, um, not having a state tournament for two years is that's that's tough on the kids. I mean, you know, whether you're in it or not, and if you, you know, maybe there's a team that qualified right. for the first time in many years, and not to and not right. to get to do it. That, gets tough, that Eden Prairie team you know? that they had last year that probably could go down as one of the best high school basketball teams in Minnesota has ever seen, and a lot of people in our state never were able to see them last year, watch them play because they. The state tournament was, uh, and, you know, they, they were in the section championship game. They were going to be playing uh, uh, Shakopee, coached by another former player of ours, Jake Dahman. They were going to play Shakopee for the section championship, and there was no guarantee that they were going to beat Shakopee. But uh, had they beat Shakopee, um, they would have made the state tournament, and the rest of the state, greater Minnesota, could have been able to witness, you know, how good of a team it were. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's, 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 it's so interesting in this day and age. Um, I do, you know, when I go to shoot football and stuff, it's so weird that it's so quiet and there's no fans and no kids. And it's, it's, I cannot wait for that day when all that noise is back. You just don't realize how much. Well, you know, I, I, uh, I golfed last summer out at uh, Crystal Lake Golf Course out in Lakeville. And on the 16th hole, it, it, it lines um, a baseball field. And there was a baseball game going on. And I hadn't seen outdoor baseball, kids playing baseball all summer. And so I made, I made a habit of just mm-hmm. standing there and watching all that baseball game. My, my buddies and I, we hadn't seen that. It was so fun to see kids and to hear cheering and, and this stuff that you, it's a typical sound of summer. But we were without that this year. So you're right. It's the kids are the ones that are are missing out. Not only the athletes, but the kids who enjoy going to games and just being a kid, having fun. That's uh, they're missing out on that. And uh, um, it, it's just the, the, the you know last spring the proms and the, the open houses, all those things were all delayed and pushed back and or canceled. And it's it's just unfortunate. And again, whoever thought in our country something like this would happen. 
Yeah. When you say, you know, yes, the kids are missing all that. And not only on the playing fields, but in the classroom as well as you being a teacher, how do you keep it fun uh, long distance? You know, I think you ask any teacher, um, there's a lot of concerns about um, becoming in contact with kids who are, are positive and, um, but we miss the kids. You ask any teacher across the state that this is not the way to learn. In fact, when I went to college, got my teaching degree, um, I did not go to college to, to, to talk to a computer every day. You miss that interaction with the kids and, and, uh, um, that, that's hard. That's hard. To, that's the part of teaching and education that, that keeps it fun is, is the kids. And you don't want every kid to be exactly the same. Yeah. You, you got your knuckleheads mixed in it, but that makes it fun and enjoyable for, for teaching. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we miss it. And the kids are just the, the relationships, the kids and lunch and, and those kids are, they're missing out on that stuff. And so it's, it's very unfortunate. Yeah. Is there any, you know, well, I, I've, and I've heard this from a lot of teachers. They don't like talking to the kids through the computer. They miss that connection with the kids. And, you know, for you, I'm glad that you get that connection and you can bring some semblance of normalcy to the kids that are athletes, student athletes, you know, because um, otherwise I don't know where they would get that. Well, again, it's, it's af- you know? athletics and, and I, I, I come up to school every day because I, I get more work down up here than I would at home. But um, there's a, about 20 to 30 cars in the parking lot, the staff parking lot. So I know other teachers are up, but we don't see them. Everybody's hunkered down in their room. And, and today I've, I've seen one other teacher so far, and I've been here for three hours already. I've seen one other teacher. But when I leave the building, I'll walk through the cafeteria, and I see uh, it must be the connection. They're out there working on their, their dance moves. So they're able to have – so. I guess my point is the kids who are involved in activities, those are the kids that are really making the best of this. It's the kids who uh, um, don't have, don't have anything to look forward to activity wise that I can see being very difficult for this, this, that, that human interaction has, has been taken from them. Yeah. I, I think this pandemic has really shown that, kids who are involved and have activities yeah. it's really vital to their exactly you know, their, to their whole life and you know but i um i i really appreciate you coming on and talking about your family business and the fact that you're loving teaching as you know almost as much as you love coaching and um continued success and i hope um, that things work out that you will have a de- you know, some kind of normal. That's all we can wish for you yeah, and for everybody to year. stay healthy and, uh, and stay safe. Thank you for listening to the sin bin. I'm your host, Cindy Nightingale. Please subscribe to listen to future episodes.